everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Aditi. And I'm Alina, recording from Goa. And you're listening to Bitches Brew, a podcast where we chat about things you wish you could talk to your mom about. Today, we talk about what's the matter with marriage. The good bits, the bad bits, the negotiation, the prejudices, the love. Disclaimer, neither of us is married. So for this episode, we've invited stories from our listeners on their personal stories and perspectives on marriage. All right. Where do we begin? Where do we begin with marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, marriage is interesting, you know, in the way that vasectomies are. No, I'm kidding. Let me ask you something. At what age did people in your family start saying, so when are you getting married? Oh my God. To be fair, I think at like 25. Oh wow, really? Okay, for me it was much, much earlier. Yeah, but I also think because my parents Mm. have a very unconventional marriage. I mean, for starters, it's interfaith, you know, from the 90s, etc., which in itself is quite a... And for another, they've kind of drifted apart sort of been unofficially separated and then come back together and then again you know they kind of just like live their own lives pretty much for the last at least 15 10 to 15 years so I think the extended family is you know naturally like the apple doesn't fall far away from the tree <laughs> so I think they've off the bat kind of assumed that I'm not yeah, going to be yeah, yeah. like a bahu anytime soon yeah but I think now in the recent past like I've come home during the pandemic right. after a year And I can definitely feel like an unsaid pressure mounting. And sadly enough, I feel it doesn't come from that societal sense of, oh, you must get married. But it comes from more of like a fear of being left alone or being left behind, which actually makes me sad because it makes me think of like how women of that generation had their entire identity pretty, pretty much defined by who they were married to, the family they were married into. Although in some sense, I understand, like they understand the need for long-term companionship and how that's sort of necessary. But I don't see how that relates to marriage. I'm just so ambivalent towards this whole thing, honestly. Like I know for a fact that since I was a kid, everything in my life, including media and pop culture and news and all of it, films, etc., songs, has built this idea of marrying the perfect person one day or that a woman's life culminate in marriage you know there's nothing beyond that for me i think because i come from i think a line of women who were married very young um, my great grandmothers were married at 11 and 14 my grandmothers were married at 21 and 23 my mother married at 23 which i think is really early Because you're just figuring your life out. You're barely out of college. You don't know who you are yet. And suddenly your entire existence is this man who barely knows who he is. You have to now start a family together and figure life out together. I mean, I suppose things are very different now. And I think that's why a lot of women I know my age have severe anxiety issues. Because suddenly you have to figure out your life independently. And we don't have... Not all of us have women in our lives who have done that, who can sort of set a template and say, that's okay, like you can be your own person and you can live your own life and it's not the end of the world. Like I think my mom discovered feminism in her 50s, which is pretty crazy. And then she managed to piss off a lot of people in the process. It came with such clear trade-offs, right? Because you're suddenly relegated to like the fringes of your family life. 
your extended family life and people do look at you a certain way and dealing with that when you're in your 50s comes with its like own baggage right because it's harder to i don't know you know make new friends or like look for new people to spend your time with when you're at that age whereas you know this other person in my life who I'm quite close to who's also in her 50s didn't marry one of the few people i know who are much older who didn't marry and while she managed to live her life and build her life entirely on her own terms she definitely feels that lack of consistent companionship and that lack of having one's own family but the thing is i've noticed this whole lack of companionship trope or this whole idea that is sold to us only applies to women because when we talk about bachelors or we talk about men in their prime or we talk about men in their golden years whatever we don't address loneliness you know what i mean we don't say oh you're going to end up alone without companionship without a family that's not a fear that is necessarily driven into their minds as much as it is for a woman like for me i keep going back to this idea of how ingrained it is this idea that a woman cannot be her own person and if she tries to be she like you said is relegated to sort of the fringes of family life and fringes of society because she's seen as abnormal for wanting to be her own person and we have lived like this for what millennia now but women haven't had their own personhood you know we've constantly been defined by our relationships with men and if i think about it objectively it's kind of terrifying isn't it if i was to just play like devil's advocate for a second i do truly believe that like people need each other right and i also think like as you grow older it does get lonelier i mean for starters you're a lot more selective about who you want to spend your time with and i think a certain level of human interdependence is actually necessary for a person's like well-being mental well-being so coming from that regard i do get why investing your time and energy in a long-term companionship makes sense but i don't get the certain like parameters required for that in india in the sense that i don't see how that needs to relate to marriage because i can have that kind of a commitment from a partner outside of the state's involvement moreover and like it's so funny because actually divorce is so detrimental to your mental physical and financial health it's actually insane right because now you've got the state involved so you have like state prescribed duties towards your ex partner not something and i get it like in some cases it's kind of like safeguarding the person in the marriage but again even the very understanding of what is considered a marriage by the state is also monogamous so it already prescriptive by its like very definition and now consider the fact marital rape isn't illegal in india so it kind of relates directly to what you said about personhood the idea that once you get married to the man and if he wants to have sex with you he will have sex with you and on in the state's eyes that's not illegal that's like an almost legal passing over of a property i mean i remember even at shadis that i've gone to and i've listened to the pandit the verses they say like it's in sanskrit or hindi but translated it literally means that like i'm giving my daughter to you and she's my property and now she's being passed over to you and now she's your property so i think that looking at marriage through the lens of religion and legality at least in this country is extremely problematic we have sadar jain who's a policy worker and a lawyer who, who's going to actually shed some light on the legality of special marriages act 
and domestic partnerships in India? It's a construct of the court, not of an act. Basically, um, it was created by a judgment of a court where people were in a... I don't know the exact details of the case, but there were these people and they were in a domestic partnership and obviously some shit went down and the court was approached. So there was some dispute. So so something happened and uh, one of the two partners approached court for some sort of redressal. And one of the issues of consideration of the court was whether or not it was a, ma- a, a legal valid marriage. If not, whether any rights and obligations arise out of whatever they were in, if it was not a marriage. And the court found that uh, people are entering more and more into these sort of partnerships without actually entering into a legal marriage. And the court did find that the certain rights and obligations do arise in order to be protected for more often than not women in these partnerships. Suppose um, they were, you're in a partnership and um, you and the wife was dependent on the husband. So if, if it's a legal marriage, then the wife does get alimony. But if it's not, if it's just a partnership, then what? Because it was an almost identical situation, the only difference being that um, one was registered in law and one was not. Tell me something, in a scenario like that now, in a domestic partnership currently as it stands in India, what is the implication of it if two people split up, for example? I think that it depends on the unique facts and circumstances of the case. If there is uh, ad- if there's a, ad- a really like palpable, like visibly adverse impact to one of the parties, if they put in, if say, perhaps they had a kid or like, you know, the wife is dependent on the husband, then I think that, um, the court can be approached, but again, this is an evolving area in law. There are relatively few judgments. But that's so interesting that we're actually kind of going down that road and like lesser and lesser people know about this. Like I had no idea actually about this, which kind of makes you think that why isn't this public knowledge? Like why isn't this being heard on news channels or like... It was. It, 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 it was. I think it um, channels did report it. I definitely saw it in the newspaper, but... Um, with the way the current news cycle stands, these sort of issues have a very short life and are usually overtaken by um, <laughs> issues such as those that we are surrounded with right now as to whether the evil Bengali which did or did not put pot in her poor husband's chai and whether or not she should be sold to jail. <laughs> I mean, if you were to examine the history of marriage, that is where it comes from. It has a very sort of legal, religious angle. And I think it was only very recently subverted in the West when you had same-sex couples and, you know, where it wasn't necessarily about the ownership of a woman, the ownership over her body and her sexuality and her property and her father's property. And where marriage really did become about companionship. And in that way, I think it was so historical that same-sex couples were allowed to marry because it changed the definition of marriage for everybody. I don't know if that's going to happen in a country like India where misogyny is so deeply entrenched. A woman wanting to live her own life, wanting to live on her... I mean, just think about renting out a place as a single woman in Bombay, which is a fairly modern, forward-thinking society. Even in a place like Bombay, people don't want to give you your own house as a single woman because they're afraid that you might prostitute yourself or set a bad example 
simply because you are a single woman. It's almost like a bad word, right? I think, again, when it comes to the whole companionship in your old age, absolutely. It's something that everybody wants. And it is essential to survival, physically and emotionally. But the prescriptive nature of marriage and the way in which it is sold to women who are sort of free thinking, like, for example, nowadays, now that I'm 28, I'm constantly told by my grandmother, my mom, my dad's mom, that after a point, it'll be too late for you. You have to find somebody to grow old with. What will you do? So that is constantly sort of fed to me, right? Because I might go over the hill and then as an older woman, I'm going to end up alone and desperate and sad. (laughs) They can't see another possibility. So I think when we're talking about marriage in India, we have to address the sort of inherent misogyny. Also because, you know, as as a friend of mine actually wrote to me about this yesterday or something. Hey, Amira. <laughs> she kind of feels as well because she had a bit of an experience where she lost a lot of weight. And then she was at like some extended family gathering and somebody was just like, oh, you've lost so much weight. Like, are you planning to get married? Which is when it kind of struck her that like society does not want fat women occupying space society does not want single women occupying space it doesn't want loud women or women with too many opinions occupying space and similarly they don't like i said they don't want unmarried women or unmarried happy women to occupy space if you were unmarried and unhappy then that makes sense but you know according to her a woman should be married a mother slim and restrained in her opinions and not like it ends at marriage right it's like after marriage you have this thing of having a child now what if you don't want to have a child then you looked at differently you know once you have a child and you choose to I don't know send the child to boarding school or stay away from the child or just do your own thing or go back to work too soon or not breastfeed for long enough it's just a constant dictation and evaluation of a woman's choices by everybody except her everybody feels entitled to dictating or commentating on a woman's choice right and as independent as you are it's got to form a narrative subconsciously like every single woman I know irrespective of how beautiful you know firstly beautiful subjective whether she thinks she's beautiful or not or whatever different shape color size gender etc struggles with this sort of relationship with society where she has been conditioned Certain things have been imposed on her. Some people kind of cave. Some people live in denial. Some people fight it in a very overt fashion. And some people kind of fight it from within, you know, where it's just a lot more subtle. But it's omnipresent. Like, I don't know any woman who's like completely risen above every prejudice ever thrown at her. It's impossible because it's something you're constantly grappling with. Like, I know that whenever I... I've had a significant relationship, like a relationship that's lasted a long time and we're in love. The thing I think about is getting married, right? And it's not necessarily because I'm in love with the idea of marriage, but it's just what I've been taught. You know, it's what I know a relationship needs to culminate in. Like we have to get married. That is the only logical step. I'm not doing it because I want it. I'm doing it because my family wants it or because society wants it. My last relationship, I wanted to get married quickly because I wanted my grandparents at the marriage before they went, you know, like that was my logic. It wasn't because I was so eager to get married to this person. I mean, you know, even if you look at it objectively as an institution and 
you don't like it as an institution, there is a part of you that wants it because you've been taught to want it since you were a child. Put up with whatever comes your way, you know, put your head down, be the good wife. Like that's something that you've been taught. And I realize that a lot of women, no matter how independent and free thinking, bring those values and ideals into any relationship with a man, you know, where they're constantly forgiving. And I don't understand. And I don't understand this obsession session with getting women married as young as possible right i mean i kind of get it because the older you get the more you start to think and the more independent you want to become so it's like okay let's like control her as fast as possible so that you know she doesn't have a chance to like want to be more than she is but it's ridiculous because if you're looking at mythology not just like hindu mythology but most religious texts there are girls as young as nine and seven being married off they have no personal agency right not whatsoever but their husbands are usually touted as these fantastic people because oh they let them study or whatever the fuck you know but do these women on their own these girls on their own first of all these little girls on their own have any agency whatsoever especially if you're getting married at such a young age what kind of say do you get in your own life And what is it that we're teaching Indian women about agency? And again, when we're talking about agency, women have all the agency when when they're manipulators, when they're vamps, when they're bad, you know. Suddenly, the people who are powerful and have special critical thinking abilities and special manipulative powers. But when it comes to their own lives, they have no agency. It's really funny, isn't it? It's interesting to me to see a comparison made to the case of Rekha in in 1990 where her husband committed suicide and literally the same thing happened where people said she's an evil witch who, and the family came out and said she ate up our son Anupam Kher, a lot of other prominent Bollywood actors came up and said, and said Bollywood to ostracize and not give her roles and this chap who committed suicide who was suffering from depression like why Why would you go and blame this lady? It's just something that we see. It's a pattern. It's a pattern of behavior that our society replicates again and again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the kind of double standard that exists in society. And honestly, I wouldn't just say Indian society. Honestly, it's everywhere. I mean, to even think that for the longest time in history, the idea of polyamory was very much present in our society. And the only reason why sort of marriage came about historically was to be able to determine the kid's dad when people started like settling down by water bodies or whatever goes to show that it always had a very much a practical connotation to it. In fact, I was reading up and it said that the idea of love in marriage was practically invented like 5,000 years ago. I mean, it isn't that old. I mean, marriage was very much a practical concern. Then it was more of like a business and political alliance. Then it was sort of this whole idea of love came into play where, where and now you know that, I mean, I personally think that all of capitalism hinges on that, you know, whether it's the advertising industry, whether it's the sort of films and music that we consume or the things that we aspire for, whether it's a certain kind of wedding, the amount of money. I mean, even in weddings in India, and I'm sure this is the case in most of East Asia, Southeast Asia, the bride's father's like izzat is so directly tied into how expensive the wedding is and how much money can he spend on the wedding. And in so many wedding setups, I still find the bride's dad 
paying for it you know well of course like some modern families go like splits on that but i know say a lot of people whose parents have single handedly women whose parents have single handedly paid for the wedding and i don't know like what is that some sort of tax you're paying because you had a daughter and now you need to marry her off and send her off into another family and the other families accepting the daughter i have no idea where that notion comes from and there 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 are all these like really problematic unsaid traditions around marriage i would actually be okay with marriage because i love the idea of family and building something with somebody personally if it wasn't so steeped in patriarchy you know you have the system of domestic partnerships in some scandinavian countries and some other european countries as well like i think netherlands and i know sweden has it for sure where in a domestic partnership has equal legal weight compared and you know uh, when in comparison to a marriage which makes sense if you have a child the child is entitled to everything that a child born out of marriage or born out of wet, like through wedlock is i think to the best of my knowledge even if it's a enforced bastard child the father does have to provide and there are rights given under the law of maintenance under the laws of um heritage um inheritance all of that but i think that a child um out of wedlock does not have the status uh as same status as a child um out of a marriage recognized that's another thing that's another thing that i never understood is this whole idea of marriage quote unquote legitimizing a child the whole idea is so absurd if you think about it objectively you know a woman can have a child in any scenario if she's of childbearing age but why does that have to be legitimized by marriage you know the child can still have uh i mean they can still be an heir to something because you know that's up to the woman to decide isn't it that again it keeps taking me back to the same thing about like constantly denying females agency over anything and if you think about it the more you think about it the amount of misogyny present present in society is astounding isn't it that we've gone so long with one half of society being so deeply controlled and denied rights i mean recently women didn't have voting rights women didn't have the right to education women didn't have you know the right to take people to court for rape women were murdered for adultery and all kinds of things like our bodies were so controlled by around us in that regard you and i are extremely lucky to have grown up in the time that we've grown up Okay so for this episode we thought of switching things up a little bit and try to do something a little different. We have received a fair number of voice notes from our listeners who have been kind enough to share their perspectives, some personal, some peripheral on how marriage has been for them or what marriage means to them. We're going to be listening to those clips. So yeah, let's get into that.
another sort of prejudice type of thing I guess I faced recently was when a family member of ours uh, shared a profile of another guy like a bio data and the family asked like there were two three things that were a bit alarming like first of all they asked like well, how much money will we be willing to put in the wedding and i was just like excuse me what do you mean um i don't know if it was wedding particularly or just in general but there was a conversation like without even like me talking to the guy like this is just like they liked my profile they got apatri's matched like and i haven't even spoken to anyone and i'm like what and they were like yeah so how much money is uh, the family willing to put and then the next question was that oh she lives on her own she doesn't stay with her parents does she have a live-in relationship um which i found a bit i guess this is just the you know the ecosystem that we live in that like live-in relationships are sort of generally on a mass level frowned upon so kind of pinched me a bit but then it pinched my like my aunt and my mother a lot more because they were just like how can you assume something about someone and they took it as like an insult um and it was like there was a lot of hue and cry over this in some family group that I'm not part of thank god but um basically i mean for me like the the one uh, nanaji equivalent <laughs> said that like you know um जब भाग में नहीं होता है तो उल्टी उल्टी बातें होने लगती है मीनिंग दैट इफ इट्स नॉट इन योर इफ इट्स इफ इट्स नॉट इन योर डेस्टनी और इफ इट्स नॉट इन योर फॉर्चून आई गैस देन द माइंड चेंज इज टू विच आई वॉन्ट टू टेल एंड माई भाग इज नॉट सो स्मॉल यो एनी वे दैट्स जस्ट लिटल थिंग दैट पेंचड मी अबेट बट या लाइक आई गैस बींग ए स्ट्रॉन्ग इंडिपेंडेंट वुमेन um who fends for herself is also something that is kind of frowned upon um in more sort of closed up heads i don't know i came to america for my undergraduate degree in 2010 my plan was to study graduate and come back to india falling in love and settling in america was never part of the plan i met my husband who is a black man during my sophomore year of college We started dating in our third year in college. We got married after three and a half years of dating. It'll be five years this October. It has been one hell of a roller coaster, but we made it out. My parents were initially very against our relationship. We started living together, and that's when things got quite tense with my family. My family and I had a falling apart for almost two years, during which I got married. I had no immediate family present during my wedding. Slowly, a year after being married, my family started reaching out and they finally started accepting us. Things are good now. My family has fully accepted our relationship. They even threw us a party in India three years back to celebrate our union. I had never been in an interracial relationship before this. I had only ever dated Indian men. I wouldn't say it has been perfect. There are a lot of surprising similarities between me and my husband. but also a lot of differences. We have been patient to learn from and about each other and open to new experiences. We've been together for almost 9 years now and grown into an amazing friendship and partnership. I'll talk about a uh, sense of individuality in a marriage. Well, uh, personally, I don't have much of an experience because yes, I am married and it's been more than a year. but still i feel that um 
it's all too early, it's all too young, and it's we're just trying to figure it out as we go. But in terms of just the amount of time that I have spent being married, I would see that the sense of individuality, maybe a conflict around it, starts from the wedding planning itself. Or maybe even before that, but essentially around wedding planning because you have these ideas, he potentially has these ideas and um, being from an Indian family, we sort of have to give up all our plans and ideas that we had in our head for X many years maybe to for our parents to decide. Uh, goes from the location to the budget uh, and if you don't really want to be a bridezilla, then they say, let go, let loose and let, let it just all happen. And if you're a little bit of a control freak like me, and that's very hard, to, hard to do. Then with uh, the, the concept of, you know, the ideal of how you must be with your parents, how you must be with your in-laws, how your partner must be with their parents and in-laws, even then you have your own personality and they have their own and uh, that can get difficult to be in sync with and um, yeah there also is you know this individual uh, personality that you've had all your life which may or may not be a gel very well with uh, your in-laws or uh, vice versa uh, professionally, it's 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 a big um, question because this, especially nowadays, because we get married around the age of thirty, and we all have potentially uh, are building or have built actually are building the critical mass of our career. So we're about six to seven years into our work experiences or high degrees, higher degrees, etc. So and so far, you've only thought completely individually. And you're suddenly expected to think like a family, think like a larger being than yourself, think like a couple. And that also is not easy to come by. So there's yes, of course, there are conflicts. But um, you you sort of decide what you want as a priority. Um, even in your personal space, for example, if you're living with somebody, something so small as, you know, like clo folding your clothes or um, washing dishes, you have your own style, you have your own ideas for it. And they have theirs. So like these little conflicts happen on a daily basis from morning to night. But uh, there's always, you know, these good bi good bits that are worth uh, it all. And what I realize eventually is that balance is the most important. And what you need to know is what your goal is. Because um, yes, you might be losing, if you may, if I may, your sense of individuality. But it's for the greater good and it's for your own happiness in the long term. So, and it's for building something together with somebody else which you would not have as an individual so um, for the entity uh, I'm absolutely happy to let this individual uh, crude maybe cold sometimes maybe very selfish sometimes uh, that sense to uh, leave behind and slowly uh, inch towards a better marriage and a happier sense of being together Marriage, I feel, 
is the longest and the most absurd of all relationships like a device for this one specific reason to pass on property but now we have gotten into like a toxic codependent relationship with it where no one wants to acknowledge the actual failure or faults of this project it's like the only relationship that does not have the benefits of either love or friendship even within a family the parent child relationship or the siblings these relationships they are based on something primal but the relationship that a married couple shares like that doesn't necessarily have to have those benefits and it doesn't in most cases like no wonder the marketing pr and implementation of this thing is so off the charts because the reality of the actual product is quite underwhelming exactly and i think you know what at some point we have to make a very conscious choice it comes down to allyship between women has for a very long time been put down and been addressed in a very derogatory manner like men like to believe that women like to hate each other you know there's this constant thing that oh two women cannot be best friends or two actresses cannot be best friends because they're constantly competing like there's this notion that we have in society right that women constantly want to take each other down um and they don't have the same kind of a sisterhood that a brotherhood would have you know they don't have the same kind of loyalties when in fact female friendships are the opposite of that female friendships are probably some of the closest most intimate bonds anybody could think of because we share everything and they sort of form the bedrock of our relationship going forward they they're our pillars of strength and don't like that because that is an allyship that is so strong that that it does potentially have the power to topple a lot of these patriarchal notions because now that women side with each other they want to lift each other up if you're looking at things like the suffragette movement all of that sort of comes out of this collective sisterhood right and that idea is very detrimental to marriage as we know it and i think that is why you have so many older women who are such sort of vocal vehicles of patriarchy because they have been taught for decades that allyship between women is wrong yeah because there's so many people fighting for the same spot right because spots are occupied by men essentially so you have 10 women fighting for that one spot at a table full of men um until that notion or until that is tackled in a very equitable manner this competition which can be toxic will continue to exist but you know if i was to move a little bit away from i mean of course in india we have seen even through the show that recently came up on netflix indian matchmaking just how deeply casteist colored and um problematic the institution of arranged marriage is you know if you look at say love marriage right and you would assume there'll be a little more equitability in that right because they're two people they're in love they would attempt to understand each other there's also a lot of other aspects of marriage that at least i for example would grapple with like infidelity for example right shared finances or transparency when it comes to finances but yeah i think these two are probably like two of the biggest reasons why couples split up it's it's so interconnected and of course sort of i know maybe this is not a big reason but it's a big reason for me like division of chores 
right? The fact that of all the sort of Indian men that I have been with, perhaps one or two have the basic notion of what it's like to take care of themselves um, says a lot. And every single person I've met has every single woman that I've ever met and had this conversation with, they've got something similar to say. So if a man ends up doing the dishes or ends up making chai, he's like lauded for his efforts, right? But for women, it's just, it's what we're expected to do. And it's so funny because for the longest time, I rebelled against this notion even when I was a child. So up until like before I went for my master's, I actually didn't know how to take care of myself. And it was extremely detrimental for my own like well-being. You know, it's so funny. It's like either way you go, it's going to hurt. It's only now very recently I've like realized that look, cooking, cleaning, etc. is more to do with me and less to do with literally anybody else. But if I can meet somebody or if I'm with somebody who can come from, and I'm heterosexual, so a man who can come from that same notion, I think it just changes the whole ballgame. I actually read this report that said in couples where there is an equal division of chores or equitable division of chores, the kids actually grow up to have higher earning potential. There's like a direct correlation to that, which is like, mind-blowing right the kind of things that we're actually the kind of examples you're setting for the children you have I get what you're saying but I think that also comes with an evolved idea of what a marriage is right this again goes back to what we were saying in the beginning it's about companionship and not so much about property and one person belonging to another it's about two individuals who choose to come together and share certain aspects of their lives maybe co-parent a child and give each other companionship. But for society at large, that's not how people see it even now. And I think until we reach a time where people understand that marriage is about two individuals and not necessarily about two individuals becoming extensions of one another, we aren't going to have situations where two people have equitable duties in a marriage and then raise their children in that way. Well, as far as marriage as an institution is concerned, well, personally, I don't think it's wrong in any which way because I feel like having that legally binding social contract somewhere preserves the rights of women, in, especially in a country where they are so compromised um, a little more. So that when things go south, if they do, there's a certain obligation and consequences that maybe people consider before they do it just like that, you know, either, I mean, may it be getting into the contract or getting out of it, you know, there's a certain accountability and certain repercussions which make you sort of work your way through things. And even if it's, you know, consensual or you know, a conflicted uh, situation where people are divorcing or leaving each other because of certain conflicts or certain underlying problems they're having. Um, There's a certain uh, maybe financial obligation and all those other like legal, you know, demands and bindings which don't make you feel like um, you've been left in the lurch. I think if you're looking at the Eastern view of love, it's often seen as something like, at least if you're talking about romantic love, it's not seen as something that's essential to your well-being. It's not seen as something that you need 
to survive or to be happy. In fact, happiness from an Eastern lens has nothing to do with love and emotional satisfaction. It has to do with material gain and spiritual gain. So in that sense, love doesn't really play a role at all. I mean, yeah, not not sexual or sort of uh, romantic love. But yeah, I mean, in the spiritual sense, definitely like love for everything and everybody and sort of that. When it comes to two people loving each other, even between, say, father and son, mother and daughter, father and daughter, whatever, it has more to do with respect and certain roles rather than your love for one another. You know, so love has no significance in our society and which is which is why it's so difficult for people to grapple with the idea that two people can fall in love and want to get married which is why people go after people from you know if you have interfaith or intercommunity community marriages it can literally be a life or death situation because it's kind of like what my friend was telling me when we were chatting about this she's like you know now that i'm at the marriageable age whatever that means um is it marriageable i think i said it wrong but yeah <laughs> marriageable age uh, her dadi would tell her like no blm you know which means like no blacks or muslims <laughs> which is honestly something that i've heard a lot from a lot of quote unquote progressive families there is that again right because marriage is looked at as a device to cement your lineage to cement your place in your community and so i think i didn't i mean i think that i didn't hype it up very much in my head you know i think that the way that i approached it was i am choosing to get married to him and you know and i think i of course completely resonate with you in terms of some of the traps that marriage creates by virtue of just i guess the society that we're living in and you know what what gets perpetuated continuously but i think that um the way that i approached it was you know i'm making a choice to get married to him i'm making a choice to get married to him in a certain way that um you know perpetuate some of those beliefs and thoughts and values and ideas and um but at the same time i'm also you know making a very conscious choice of staying in the marriage and making it work right and i think that i never and i don't think even for anna for that matter actually i don't think either of us ever walked in feeling this pressure that we need to be like bound to each other for the rest of our lives and you know even if you know shit hits the fan like we just have to stay in this marriage and make it work i think that you know i think that both of us implicitly and i guess you know through through our ways of communicating to each other we're really clear about the fact that you know we we made a choice to be together we're making a choice every single day to make this work i just don't think there's any sort of conclusive uh idea of what marriage can be it's a bit like religion in that sense right like i do think it should be a private this is what this is what i think it should be okay like i do think it should be a private affair i do think it should be left to the choice of the two people involved whoever those two people might be irrespective of like again caste gender religion etc um I understand the idea of taking on responsibility for your partner's family. I do get it because it's like you are sort of you know but I feel like even that should be a choice. I think it should come from a place of choice and not from a place of obligation or a consistent expectation. I mean, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine 
who must be like in his late thirties now, and he got married, and he was kind of espousing like his wife's good virtues, and they they'd been dating for like ten, fifteen years before they got married, and they suddenly came to me, and he was just like, you know, she's just been so good to me, and like when my uh, grandmother was sick, she was just there at her bedside day in day out. Now I understand that how that's a beautiful virtue in somebody, you know, and how it's important to. just be nurturing and be giving and kind of know how to take care of each other but i haven't heard that descriptor being applied to a lot of men you know i've never not i've never heard like oh he's such he's such a good partner he like was there at my father's bedside taking care of him until the day he died you know, not as much i mean i have heard it of course i think my own father is like that to a large degree but not as much so again it's sort of that very understanding of what a good wife is wherein i just dislike the word wife and husband i think the word should just be partner honestly uh because it's like what is it according to you that constitutes a good partner and that definition can change from person to person i also acknowledge that for our generation because we're so spoiled by choice and sound a bit like boomer about this whole thing there is some merit in making a choice to love somebody and sticking it out because i think that does take guts and courage and uh, but but of course like it has to be a two way street it can't just be effort from one end right um it's funny because i did reach these read these statistics that like the rate of divorces is going up all across the globe even in india Uh, you know when divorce still carries the stigma and the taboo that it does in society and it it think of a bunch of things one was that oh our divorce is just going up because women are learning how to truly stand up for themselves or are we collectively as a generation just losing patience and our like, sort of threshold for bullshit is so much lesser and if you really think about feminism in india and how it's evolved it's kind of burst onto the scene in the last 10 years or so especially with the proliferation of social media you know and i feel like for men as much as they try to appear woke it's really hard for them to grapple with this like sudden revolutionary change right because their mothers were certainly not like that their sisters might be but i still i still feel that the way women are at home is different from the way women are outside Yeah, I really do want um marriage personally. Um I see myself having a family in the future. I do like the idea of having children because I think I'll be a fun mom and I like kids and um I kind of want to do it the traditional way. Uh, again, like I said, like I grew up in a home where for the most part my parents had a pretty happy marriage touchwood and um you know, I saw the role that my mother played and i saw the role that my father played in my life and how they were both extremely important like individually and together so that's why i wanted but the special thing about marriage is that it's also the longest relationship that you're going to have with another person with another human being uh you don't spend that much time with your parents your siblings your friends maybe your coworkers <laughs> but uh, those change as well 
you really can if you want really get to know another person and and that for me is beautiful right or not matlab yeah there's that also it can pretty much evolve into whatever you want it to in a way i feel that it every marriage is an experiment um yeah i i actually think it is you know because i know people who indian women who are married to men who aren't indian unfortunately i'm not saying all indian men are like that but these are their personal experiences and they are in relatively happy marriages i mean for starters i don't think happiness is some sort of permanent state of being like i definitely think it's everything is pretty much transient so you know sometimes you're happy sometimes you're not and that kind of applies to the to the relationships in your life as well but i genuinely think something that like a happy marriage is possible if there is an inherent level of understanding between two people and when i say that i don't mean that they automatically understand everything about the other person because people also change and evolve but they're willing to sort of like put in the effort or adapt according to how their partner is changing and again when i say this i mean it in a very equal sense i don't mean in just from the perspective of the woman i mean it in more of a, a human on on more of like a human level right like we have to adapt to our families we adapt in our friendships and i and we adapt in our relationships and thing and i think the same thing kind of applies to a marriage um my partner talks a lot about the idea of acceptance which i get but i also think that the idea of acceptance has been abused a lot for women to put up with too much you know so i think it's also important to be cognizant of those things and i and i think for me personally that's where things like more sort of psychological things such as like attachment styles and the kind of things we learn growing up uh and seeing certain problematic marriages and then we tend to mimic that in our relationships comes into play because quite often the person you are madly in love with may not actually be the best partner for you purely because you have learned or picked up uh attachment styles which are sort of not secure when you're a child right and i think that sort of i mean of course i'm not an expert and i'm not like a mental health professional but i do truly believe because so many people i know who have happy marriages do you know this kind of like a consistent thing of like wow i never thought i'd end up with this person you know and the idea of a type which is again also propagated by the media we consume is actually what can be super problematic because people think that the type that they're attracted to is so unique to them but it's actually just a summation of their conditioning the things that they've been exposed to honestly if anything it's just a summation of their own blind spots right um so i mean that sort of happened to me as well where i've ended up with somebody who i normally couldn't have imagined myself with and been like wow you know like so yeah i mean it's just that the intersections are so complex and there's so much here there's a psychological point of view there's a social political historical point of view there's obviously a gendered point of view um it's very hard to sort of condense it in one episode also because we're not married neither of us is actually married right if you're talking in terms of the legal aspect of it 
that being removed and people who are probably living together or are in love recognizing that marriage is nothing but a union of soul and body and blah blah uh, ideally it should but i feel like there are too many complications around it you know like we live in a country where uh, women are generally not viewed as equals and there are so many taboos around you know uh, people being in love as opposed to people pushing hate i mean you having sex is seen as uh, probably the biggest sin of your life while people who murder people on streets based on their judgment of what they had for dinner is justified as the work of god you know what i mean so i i don't know ideally it should be i mean because what is marriage you know when you love someone when you love their family when you're giving and when you're taking their love and whatever if marriage is a union at the end of the day holy unholy i don't know what makes it holy or what makes it unholy again beats me but that's what it is like people coming together and families coming together and everybody celebrating that union that's what a marriage is supposed to be but because there's so many taboos around it that unless you make it legal and unless it's like viewed and approved by you know a bunch of people who couldn't give a squat about you but will obviously like be or bear witness to the whole process um a lot of the times you know anything which doesn't come around to sort of falling into this particular narrative is looked down upon or doubted also as i as i mentioned in my previous you know uh, voice note that i mean we live in a country where women's rights and women in general are objectified repressed you know are life and our freedom and our existence is so compromised that you're constantly worried about towing the line because the consequences of you not towing that line are so much more worse for you than any man you can think of or even if it trickles down to the man you love it only creates more and more pain for everyone you know what i mean like people lose their lives when they don't fall into uh, a certain like narrative of what is right and approved by their families when it comes to marriages and love so i feel like there's this constant risk that somewhere um, you know just to sort of get a certain sense of security you've got to get like legalities involved otherwise you know you'll probably be left with nothing along with the taboo attached with having been dumped or being alone aside from all of this i want to talk about happy marriages <laughs> because i personally have never seen one because no matter how accomplished a woman is and i'm talking from the perspective of women because i am a woman but no matter how accomplished for example the women in my life um are they have always had to sort of give up a part of themselves even if they had the choice to like leave their families behind and go do their own thing because of the pressure from society they've always had to give up those accomplishments and give up the potential to do something with themselves as individuals for family So that makes me think is a happy marriage possible? Hi this is Jeevika. I have known my husband for a really long time. Although we got married exactly before the lockdown like a month before the lockdown. 
I do truly feel that nothing much has changed and it's probably because I've known him for as long as you know seven years and I have friends who have been uh, you know divorced and been remarried and had a baby with the new husband in seven years I have friends who have got married or uh, started dating got married had babies in those seven years and I've had friends who've dated three different people in these past seven years so seven years is a long long time um now after marriage i don't think anything's changed we still agree we still disagree on a lot of things uh we have completely different political views uh, we may not necessarily have the same set of friends also but but you know i i really like this companionship i truly believe that not all your roommates partners and friends need to have the same opinion and that's what uh you know helps you gain perspective and makes for the best debates also um then why is why is why is that expected from a marriage it is no different and it should be it shouldn't be any different if two individuals are okay sharing a space and certain privileges together it's really their choice i feel the word marriage has started bringing a lot of negativity among the cults and uh, that you know a lot of negativity among the culture don't support this concept but how i look at it uh, is you know how canada's common law really works uh, marriage could work in a similar manner it's really up to you what you make out of it and what may be taboo to both of you as a couple could be the new norm so it really depends on how much pressure or how much uh, how attached are you with the word marriage it could be your own rules within this companionship and that's exactly what i share with my husband so i'm sure everyone and their uncle has seen indian matchmaking on netflix uh i've seen it i was initially really reluctant to watch it because i thought it would be triggering so but i've seen it i loved it i finally understood all the memes about it after watching it and another thing i observed was all over my social media my friends and everyone included just really started to attack the concept of arranged marriage now while of course there was like rampant sexism and colorism on the show which is just disgusting and unacceptable i just feel that uh, that is not what i have experienced in terms of arranged marriage so i think it's important for me to like dispel some myths and rumors and notions surrounding the concept of what i would define as the modern indian arranged marriage and in fact till i saw the show i thought everyone's quote unquote arranged marriage was exactly like what i had gone through so it's important for me to put that out there uh my husband is the most intelligent kindest and most selfless person on the planet and uh he inspires me every day and it's only and solely because of him i am the best version of myself today i sincerely hope he doesn't hear this because no man on earth needs an ego boost but it's they're all true things having said that i would also like to say he's also not the kind of person i thought i end up with 
physically yeah he is he is the kind of person i thought i'd end up with and he meets all my so called physical criteria but personality wise i always thought i'd end up with someone who cracks the best jokes in the room and who is a bit louder and maybe a little more flamboyant i mean not in the you know what i mean by flamboyant and my husband personality wise is the complete opposite of that he's reticent he's uh, a bit quiet he takes his time to warm up to people he cracks the worst jokes and um, i mean you can imagine like on youtube he literally watches professors solve math equations for fun so don't get i don't get it either but very very different from the person i thought i'd end up with and now that i'm with him i'm like oh my god how could i have imagined being with anyone else i like i genuinely feel like wow i've dodged a bullet so that goes a lot to say about like one thing i'd like to also talk about in this process is about how all of us have a criteria in mind when we think about lifelong companionship or even like a boyfriend who you don't know how long you're going to be with or a girlfriend or a significant other for me i have when i questioned it i have questioned what i meant was i questioned the say the, ins- the institution itself not monogamy as such but the institution of marriage and the baggage it sort of comes with so there have been times where i i felt that you know what is it's, it's it's written with misogyny as you said and um, it seems unfair cause and uh, it causes so much problems sometimes when when we've had heated arguments and i sat sitting uh, thinking about you know why why do i want this so what i have sometimes thought is yeah the institution of marriage requires a complete um, overall or change in thought and that's a collective decision which is which can never happen you know because we we've got our values people have got their values it's impossible but yeah sometimes i found myself thinking that marriage as it is now it's it is unfair sometimes on women um it is unfair also sometimes on men um they they them though yeah. give a shout out to our biggest supporters of the fundraiser kashif ishika anuradha sai kumar geetanjali vansh akhil shilpi ravindra saeed tulika girija and sheela thanks so much for your generous contribution we've been running the fundraiser on keto to help us keep our content ad free and to be able to continue producing new work and people have been very generous if you'd like to support our content you can find our link on our instagram page at bridges brew india thanks so much for listening in today we hope you tune in for our next episode where we discuss the state of news and journalism in india right now and what implication does that have in a larger sense until then reach out to us at write to us bbrew@gmail.com or bitchesbrewindia on instagram with your thoughts and stories about what your experiences with marriage or lack thereof is and just anything really that you'd want us to chat about don't forget to like leave a comment and share